You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Wealth Tech on Deck. Each week, I have the privilege of speaking with industry leaders around issues that inform and advance financial advice, wealth management, retirement, and technology. I talk with those who are leading the way as we seek to help advisors, clients, participants, and firms enjoy better financial outcomes all around the confluence of digital and human advice. A vital trend that has been underway for some time is just about every leading firm in our industry is building what I call comprehensive advice platforms. This is where data, financial planning, proposals, portfolio management, investment and annuity products, risk and tax management, rebalancing, transitions, and income generation come together to help advisors help clients maximize the growth of their assets and of the withdrawals they take from multiple accounts and income sources. Today, we will speak to a recent and powerful entrant in this rapidly evolving space. Ainsley Simmons is the president of Pershing X. I find her story and the Pershing X story fascinating, not only what she and her team are building now, but how she got here. Ainsley, welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Really excited. Yeah, this will be fun. So Ainsley, let's start with you telling the audience about Pershing X. You've got a great story. What are you guys up to? Yeah, so Pershing X is an advisory platform. We're going to build it so that it is open for third parties. But then, of course, Pershing will have our own, Pershing X, pardon me, will have our own version of our apps, many of which you just rattled off. But what we're really focused on and where we see the white space in the market is around interoperability so that apps connect to apps, so that when you enter something in one app, it carries through to the others in a really logical way. And, you know, it's essentially a productivity problem. You know, what we see in the market is that advisors only spending 20 to 25% of their time with clients and 75% in desk work. And we just see the massive opportunity to flip the switch to go the other direction, 75% of time with clients, 25% in desk work, and technology is mature enough to do it. You just need to have a pretty big ambition and backing of a large bank. (laughs) Oh, it takes capital. I get it. Yeah, it it does. It takes capital and it takes, you know, frankly, a pretty complex simultaneous build, right? You have to build out all the apps in concert with the platform and the data structure behind it. So, you know, what's really exciting and why I joined this particular place to pull this off is so much of that already exists that could be leveraged around the bank in Pershing. And it's about taking that sort of running start and running faster and further. So that's what we're building. That's what we're focused on, laser focused. So why don't you give a little bit on the backstory? I know it, but I know our audience would love to hear it about Bank of New York. I'm going to step back a little bit further because you have a track record of innovation going way back to LearnVest and probably before that. Maybe why don't we start with your backstory, then we'll talk about the bank, and then we'll talk about how that fits into Pershing and how that creates Pershing X. So maybe if you could give us that arc of your story, that would be great. Sure. The long and crazy story. So I actually started my career in consumer products, Coors Molson, Campbell Soup Company. And what I took away from that is, you know, what it means to build a trusted sort of consumer grade product, everything that goes into that and all of the sort of data and thinking and strategy that you need to really pull off a great consumer product. 
the internet happened in the 2000s and I had an opportunity to jump in to what was a very small scale startup at the time. It was kind of an interesting company called Investools, which then grew into and merged with another company called Thinkorswim, which was my first foray into fintech. It was a options trading platform, <laughs> brokerage, but a really sweet product. And we put together this sort of education arm with this trading arm and really built this powerhouse product called Thinkorswim that got sold to TD Ameritrade. So that was my first exit. I was the head of product and marketing at that firm. And I got the bug. You know, I got the bug for data-driven decision-making. I got the bug for iterative delivery. I got the bug for really building great software and how that could really open all these doors to a really great business, building a great business. And then, you know, when TD rolled the green carpet in, Thinkorswim still lives on that platform today, interestingly oh, wow. enough. Cool. Yeah, it still is. Rocks on. I moved to a, another even earlier stage startup in fintech called LearnVest. And this was pre-fintech being called fintech. This is early days in venture-backed growth in this industry. Actually, my old boss from Thinkorswim introduced me to the founder of LearnVest and said, you know, Ainsley, I think you need to meet this person because you guys share kind of this mission to help Americans with their money. He knew that just about me kind of personally. And so I joined LearnVest as an employee nine or 10 and grew that over four years into an exit with Northwestern Mutual. Right. So they bought uh, LearnVest as kind of the core of the planning engine that they wanted to build out for their, you know, 6,000 person advisory force. Gotcha. And from there, I know you went on to join, after a stint at Northwestern Mutual, to join PIMCO. PIMCO. And yeah. And everyone was like, wait, what? Like, what are you doing? But it was such a, an interesting moment for PIMCO. So PIMCO, $2 trillion asset manager, primarily in the fixed income space, had sort of built decades of excellence around asset management, but really hadn't built any excellence around any sort of digital engagement, digital anything. And so the CEO of PIMCO and sort of the head of the retail business met with them and they said, Ainsley, listen, like, you know, blank sheet of paper. You get to come in, you get to decide, you get to build the team, you get to figure out what the strategy is, you get to, you know, help us figure this whole thing out. And I love me a good build. So I was like, well, that sounds really fun. You know, that sounds really interesting because, you know, most companies were a little bit more mature and had started down paths and sort of, you know, had made decisions. And I was like, blank sheet of paper. That sounds fun. And it was. It was a great ride. We put out five different products, a couple won industry awards. You know, I still stay very close with the PIMCO folks. They say it's transformational in the selling journey and everything that they're doing. They're having a great couple of years. And I was like, well, that was really fun. And, you know, I probably still would have been there if I didn't get this phone call. And, you know, what I would describe this as is the same sort of blank sheet of paper I saw at PIMCO, like on steroids, yeah, with yeah. just this amazing, amazing opportunity to build something that I personally have felt is an unmet need in the market. And I personally believe could be, you know, just so industry transformational that I just couldn't help myself. So I said, yes. <laughs> so tell our audience about the role that Bank of New York plays, the role that Pershing plays, where Pershing X fits, because I, yeah. I know there's some, uh, well, you tell the story. Yeah. So the Bank of New York Mellon, like every good institution, you know, does thorough and frequent reviews of strategic opportunity. 
And it's a very big firm. <laughs> it, it does a lot of things. But what they really saw was this, as most, I'm sure, listeners to your podcast would quickly identify, is this current and accelerating trend around the business of wealth management, moving from brokered to advised, more money coming into the sector with the wealth transfer that's happening, just a lot of really great secular trends in wealth, right? And so when you see sort of long sustained secular trends, you have to look at it. And so the bank took a good hard look and said, listen, there's a real opportunity for us If we do it right, right, like there's no opportunity for a Me Too product, but if we do it right, there's a real opportunity for us to come in as a trusted financial institution with the relationships that we have across all our businesses, investment management, wealth management, asset servicing, digital assets, custody, clearing, like you name it, across the entire firm, there's an opportunity to build something special for advisory. And so... They were really purposeful. Robin Vince, who was a vice chair at the time, who's just been named the CEO of the bank, came from Goldman and sort of saw the power and also just very purposefully thought about the power of sort of setting it up as separate yet connected, right? So Goldman did Mm -hmm. that with Marcus and, you know, it was a very successful model. And he said, you know, to give the team the agility and the freedom to really innovate We want it to be set up separately, but this just can't be a tinkering lab. Like this can't just be like a pet project where you play foosball and nothing ever gets done. This needs to be connected (laughs) to the business and it needs to be every day sort of talking to clients, you know, hearing the marketplace needs, being really connected. So I think in really a, a stroke of brilliance, set it up as, you know, Pershing X is a bank in New York Mellon company. But it is connected to Pershing because Pershing X will be multi-custodial. Pershing will be one of our custodians. So knowing that custody business, what's inside, the power of it, what it can do, what it can't do, was a really important decision. And so I do sit on the Pershing executive team, and I sort of split my time between our sort of bank headquarters at 240 Greenwich and out here in Jersey City because I sort of connecting across all those executive teams. But it was really purposeful and I think a really powerful structural setup, to be honest. Well, that's what caught my attention, as we've talked about before, to put that kind of strategic thought, and clearly a good deal of thought that went into this, put capital behind it, access existing capabilities and and elements and contributing capabilities, I guess you should say. That all said, now you have to put it all together, including stuff that is not already on the Pershing platform or at the Bank of New York. This is an exercise in connecting dots, as you know. Talk about the dots you're going to connect. What does this look like? Not item by item, but what is this advisory platform? Because I know you have big dreams and it sounds to me like you're on the right track to fulfill them. Yeah. So, you know, listen, we're just being very customer led like any other sort of great firm. But, you know, where I look for inspiration is out of the category because, you know, what I said is this is a productivity problem. Advisors are spending 20 percent of their time with clients. We want to flip it. It should be 80 percent of their time with clients. So then you say who's solved workplace productivity or productivity in general or sort of. And, you know, I look at the big three tech companies. In my mind, the Google suite has solved the productivity problem or is on the path, you know, no one's ever done, but on the path to solve the productivity problem for non-enterprise. Microsoft is taking the enterprise 
productivity suite game head on. And Apple solved the productivity problem for entertainment, right? And so you say, okay, like, how did they do that? Like, what are they doing that we could learn from and model off of? And what they've done, and this is like, you know, there's no new ideas. There's just great ideas brought to new categories, is what they've done is they've said, okay, what are the apps people need? And then how do I make those apps work really well together? So how does iTunes work with, you know, the, you know, app store? How does it like, and they find these magical interoperable moments where like, for example, your Apple ID gets you into everything. (laughs) You know, it's really easy. And then it tracks everything and it knows everything. It knows too much almost. But, (laughs) you know, and Microsoft, like they found this magical moment where if you're using Teams and Outlook, the calendar syncs and you don't even notice. You're like, oh, yeah, I updated it on Teams or I updated it on Outlook. I don't even know. It doesn't matter because they just talk to each other. Or like when you get a Teams meeting out of your Outlook, it just pulls a chat in with all the people that are on the invite. And then you can just start chatting in the team. Like these magical interoperability moments where you don't even notice. You're just traversing your day. You're doing your thing. You're getting your work done. And you don't even notice they shave four minutes, three minutes, seven minutes off of this thing that you used to do. When you do notice it is when you have to then go interop with something that isn't on the platform. So then you're like, what? I copy, paste, upload, download. What am I doing? And so I think that these... Big tech companies with all their might and all their, you know, capital are staring down this productivity problem and chipping away at it. I call it magic moment by magic moment and finding those places where labor is wasted. Time is wasted. People are frustrated. It's exhausting. And so, you know, I look to those firms and I say, they've just done it on a bigger scale. We get to do this on a more manageable scale. You know, what, 200,000 through 250, I don't even know what the latest number is, advisors in the U.S. We get to do it on a more manageable scale, but the job's the same. We got to shave the minutes, the moments. We got to make it delightful. We have to just you know, I was demoing a potential feature of, of Purging X to my advisory board. I have an advisory board of current and prospective clients. And I showed them this one thing about how something could go from here to there. And they were like, wait, what? You could do that? And I was like, yeah, we could do that. And they were like, oh my God. Like, I can't even imagine how much time that would save for me and an advisor and, and for my staff. You know, because most of these advisory businesses, they're running it as a business. And the more the hamsters they have to put behind the tech, not that people are hamsters, but you know what I mean. Yeah, sure. They have to pay for that. And like, yep. why can't I solve that problem for them? It is absolutely solvable. It's been solved on a broader scale. We just have to shrink it to our industry. Well, I, one of the things I have, to, I have to highlight is that our industry tends not to look at other industries. It tends to contemplate its navel, uh, having been around this industry a while. And, uh, and you didn't. Kudos to you for looking at Google, Apple, Microsoft, just to name a few leading firms that figured some things out that kind of changed our, have rocked our world for and continue to. So kudos to you. And as you're putting this together, that just reminds me how hard it is because we deal with this stuff all the time with our clients, is that interoperability sounds great. It's really hard to do because the systems weren't designed to be interoperable, if you know what I'm saying. So talk a little bit about that. How are you How are you going after that? Yeah, we're going to solve it at two levels. We're going to what I call X to X. So our apps to our apps that we're, you know, building from scratch, we get to set that up, right? We get to make those magic moments. We get to decide. I'm super excited about that. But I'm also excited because I'm a realist when it comes to how we're going to win in this space. 
we're not going to win all the apps from any advisor day one, no matter what. They just won't. Nobody's going to like hand over their business to us. They're going to want to test it, try it, prove it, see the value. And I would too. So Mm -hmm. like no Mm -hmm. question in my mind to think that an all-in-one would get sold as like one fell swoop, not a chance in heaven. And and in fact, many advisors will never give us, you know, app three, six, and four. Like they love the apps they're on and they're integrated in their business and they work really well for them. And I say, amen, right? Like God love it. Like that's great. So what we need to do is create the X to X interoperability, which we control, and then the right framework and platform for really great third-party X to third-party integrations, because we want to provide the value that is our mission, is to flip the switch on productivity. So we want to provide value. We're just going to do the best we can on third parties, knowing that there's different levels of maturity. Certain have like really great API you know, endpoints, certain don't. And we're going to do the best we can. What I would say is we have a lot of experience as a custodian doing those third-party integrations today. So there's been a lot of road walked there and we can leverage a lot of the learning that of all of the third-party integrations that we've done on Pershing proper today. And so that's kind of an exciting, again, like hit the ground running kind of moment where if you haven't been integrating stuff for the last 15 years, like you might be a little less mature in knowing what you would want out of your third parties to be able to deliver that value. So this is very exciting. We're so glad you're doing this. I'm seeing our industry, may have seen the Edward Jones announcements recently where they're just put, spending a billion dollars on what you're describing. I mean, that's essentially what they're after. And there are many more. JP Morgan spending all sorts of money. Morgan Stanley, all these big dogs. Orion Investment says they're doing it. So there's a bunch of people talking about this stuff, right? I call it comprehensive advice platforms. What does this look like down the road? In other words, for Pershing X, if I'm an advisor, what does it look like as all this stuff coordinates? So listen, you know, the other great thing about the Bank of New York, Mellon, is as the oldest financial institution in America, it's patient capital. You know what I mean? The firm is very committed to this. Top of the house, there's not a day that I don't feel that commitment. And it shows up in a lot of different ways. People connecting me to people, people referring me, people checking in, people making sure I have what I need. Like, it's so wonderful to be at a firm where the executive leadership team has just made a decision and is just really, really committed, um, long-term commitment. So what I would say is this will evolve. My hope is that we get a bunch of clients trying some of the apps and seeing the value of interop. And then we just prove our mettle every day. And that's what Microsoft has to do. They'll make get in with Teams or Outlook or both. And then they got to get you into Office 365. You know, this isn't a hard sell. Like this isn't like oh my God, we're, you know, selling Ginsu knives here. This is demonstration of value, right? Like I need you to see the value of moving your email to Outlook because it interrupts with all these other things. I need you to see the value. And as I said, no expectation we're going to win every app. Zero, zero expectation we're going to win every app. It's on us though to always be adding more and more and more and more of that interoperability value. I had a client say to me, Ainsley, listen, I run, it's a aggregation type firm, you know, who's buying a bunch of firms, growing like stink, amazing client. They're like, at the end of the day, I don't want to be a CTO. That's not what I want to be. <laughs> this is so exhausting to like keep up, stay yeah, up, yeah. have it all, have the, he's like, I would delightfully 
outsource all of this to you guys, but it has to be great. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Totally hear you. It's going to take time. You know, I don't know how long Microsoft's been at this game, but they've been going enterprise by enterprise and, you know, making big decisions. Like when they made the move to cloud, big decision. They had to leave a big part of the legacy business behind, but they saw the opportunity to take the sweep further by making it all cloud-based. Like, we get to make those kinds, of course, we'll be cloud native to start the bad example, but we get to make those kinds of big decisions because mm-hmm. this is a really patient, thoughtful place. Wow. The content of what you're saying, the words are inspiring, but your enthusiasm is even more so. Well, I've been told I'm high energy. So yeah, I got that <laughs> well, before. I, I agree in a good way. I think that's wonderful. That's fabulous. I just, you could use some high energy because... Uh, thing that strikes me, I love your comments on this. Here we are with a record number of people retiring every single day and our industry is ill-prepared. Ill-prepared, it's failing. Come on, let's call it. Let's just call it. Totally, totally. Everyone wants to accumulate. Nobody wants to decumulate because they feel like there's not a role for them. And I've done a lot of work at this at PIMCO. It was a really fun product that we built. And I just think that is such myopic short-term thinking because yeah. if you are a trusted advisor, you need to be a trusted advisor the whole way through. And if you're managing the decumulation portfolio correctly, you're holding part of it for growth and you're managing certainty for a period of time. And you know everyone's wringing their hands about intergenerational wealth transfer and all that other stuff. If you're trusted and you're really ingrained and you're providing great advice, why wouldn't the family stick with you? It doesn't make any sense that people would peel off and set up a new sure. relationship. So I just think like there's a lot of short-term thinking in what is just a really amazing opportunity to be a really trusted advisor. I'm not saying everyone is short-term thinking. Please don't take that. I'm saying you said as an industry, so I'm just riffing with that as an industry. But, you know, the advisor I trust is the advisor that's going to help me through my retirement and my decumulation because that's the most, sure. that's the biggest financial decision I'm making ever, every single day on the ACUM and DECUM side, by the way. Yeah. And they're retiring earlier. They're living longer. The threat of inflation is going to be the cruelest tax. I mean, you add all this stuff. All of those things. I read this really great. I can't remember what book it was. I got to go back and think about it. But I read this history of Social Security. Amazing. So set up post-World War II to bridge the gap between when people stopped working at 62 and when they died at 65. Three years. Had to cover three years. And obviously that's not the same game today. So, you know, I just think it's so fascinating how we're just not doing enough. And again, you know, with a platform like Pershing X, I just think there's so many incredible things. If you think about all the ways interoperability could show up, you know, it can very much show up in retirement paychecks. It can it can show up in a lot of different ways that no single point provider could do. No single point provider can manage that cash for growth. No single point provider can access, you know, the banking capabilities the bank has. No single point provider can, you know, access the data. You know, I just... You know, you ask me why I'm seriously excited. I'm seriously excited. <laughs> I get it. I totally get I it. I can see it. Like, I can see. Sure, sure. I can yeah. see it. I can see the problems getting solved yes. with yes. a suite that talks to each other. I can see it. Imagine that. Imagine that. It's crazy. So our time grows short. We no try way. to keep this to a half an hour. <laughs> this has been a blast. 
Ainsley, three quick takeaways from our discussion today to leave with our audience? Oh, takeaways. So I think one is if you are in the advisory business, I think you need to think hard about how much you want to invest in tech and how much you're going to turn to to partners for. And I think that has to be a really thoughtful decision. And I think, you know, you can ask your partners and should ask them to expect more. I would say expect more. I hope people expect a lot out of us. I really do. And I'd expect them to expect more out of all their other partners and third parties. The second thing I would take away is that there is this massive opportunity to service clients through all stages of their life. And you need to think about how your platforms and technologies are supporting you in that because you can't hit these brick walls, right? Like you can't hit a brick wall where your planning only does ACUM and no DCUM. You can't hit a brick wall where your portfolio doesn't have the ability to do the right tax locations so that you have really tax advantage decumulation. Like you can't hit these brick walls. It's not okay anymore. And then the third thing I think is the point you made, which is like, let's get out of the navel gazing and look at our big, broad world and say, how do we create experiences? How do we create apps? How do we create technology that people love? Not that they just tolerate, that they freaking love. And that could go from how you show up as an advisor to the tech you use to, you know, how you engage with people and what you say to them. Nobody wants dull. Nobody wants boring. And we keep showing up that way. Boring and dull and oh, yeah. <laughs> nobody wants that. Nuh-uh. Yeah. So no. those would be the three. That's great. That's great. I've really enjoyed this. I'd like to keep going, but we'll stick to time. And as we do each uh, week on our podcast, we bring our session to a close. Could you tell us something you uh, do outside of work that's interesting, unique, something you're passionate about? Yeah. So I'm super passionate about sustainability. And that's going to be my next hustle after this one. And so I co-founded a company <laughs> with my husband trying to digitize recycling. So it's a side hustle that I got going on. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Because like one startup isn't enough. I had to do another one. That's great. That's yeah. terrific. So Ainsley, this has been an absolute blast. And to our audience, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, or subscribe, and or share what we're doing here on Wealth Tech on Deck. We are available wherever you get your podcast. Ainsley, thanks so much. This was a real pleasure. I can't wait for the next conversation. Jack, thanks for inviting me. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by Life Yield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.